song says, the, testing, song says the potter wants to put you back together again. When Humpty Dumpty falls off the wall, the king's horses and the king's men can't put them back together again, but the king's son can put them back together again. Horses can do what they can do. Horsemen can do what they can do, but the potter and the potter alone can put you back together again. Two weeks ago, there in the Bay Area, there was a press conference, and Apple had an invite, invitation only to a special presentation. And at this presentation, they unveiled the iPad Air and the iPad Mini 2. Some people couldn't sleep the night before because they were wondering if the supply was going to meet the demand. But, but when they had the press conference, people's eyes got googly and star-eyed, and they released the date that the iPad Air and the iPad Mini was going to be released in stores. And I don't know about you, but I'm not one of those people that the night before, the, I, the iPad and the iPad Mini and the iPhone 5, when it's released at midnight, people are outside of the Apple store posting up at 9 o'clock. I'm not one of those people, but when I looked at the Apple disciples, I began to think to myself, what if God's people were like the Apple enthusiasts? What if before the church doors were open, whenever the church doors are first open, that we posted up here the way we do at the Apple store? What if we do that to God's throne where we chain ourselves to his throne and refuse to leave? The things of the world we go after with enthusiasm. But when it comes to God, we're going to look at how to exactly do that in this message entitled, Go Hard or Go Home. Go Hard or Go Home. Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And I'll read in your hearing verses 27. Mark chapter 5. And I'll read in your hearing Verses 27, Mark chapter 5, and I'll read in your hearing verses 27. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible reads, when she heard of Jesus, came behind in the press behind and touched his garment. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for coming to get us. We thank you for putting us back together. We ask that you open our hearts as we open your word. Do it in a way that only you can do. Give us a fresh experience as we see your son anew. In your name we do pray. Amen. Last week, we learned that in preparation for change, you want to make a decision that you're not going to stay where you are. When it is that you're preparing for change, you make a decision to leave. When you're preparing for change, you don't need the devil's permission. You could just close up shop and leave. It happens when you find yourself in a place where the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. And so it is that when we're in this place, verse 27 comes to us, and it comes to us in four parts. This woman who is bleeding, she hears about Jesus with her ears. She leaves her home with her legs. 
She presses in the crowd using her eyes, and she touches Jesus using her hands. We're not going to talk about it today, but next time, she repeats the promises of God with her mouth in verse 27. She uses all parts of her body to go after her healing. She is sick, but she uses what she has. She is suffering, but she uses what she has. She is bleeding, but she uses what she has. She is unemployed and indigent, but she uses what she has. People can be in tight situations, but still use what they have. She is stronger than she really knows. I need you to understand that the first thing she does is she hears reports concerning Jesus. What did she do? She hears reports concerning Jesus. She hears about Jesus when she has tried everything. She hears about Jesus when she has bottomed out. She hears about Jesus when she hits rock bottom. She hears about Jesus when all of her options have been exhausted. You see, people don't make a choice until they hear about a better choice. It's when you hear that you can upgrade your phone after having the same phone for three and a half years. It's when you hear that you can trade in your clunker for cash. It's when you hear that you can make an exchange of what you have for something new. If you have a scrub for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, my mama said, you don't need your permission to trade in that zero and to get with a hero. It's when you hear about a better choice that you find yourself that you can actually make a choice. It's like in Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen, where a conversation takes place between the old Transformer Jetfire. When he comes alive in the museum, he has a conversation with Sam Witwicky. Jetfire wakes up and he says, is that robot civil war still going on? Who's winning? And Sam Witwicky says, the Decepticons. And when he hears that the Decepticons are winning, he grimaces and he spits. And he says, well, I change sides to the Autobots. And Sam Witwicky says, what do you mean change sides? Jetfire says, son, it's a choice. It's an in intentionally personal decision. So much negativity. Who wants to live a life with so much hate? And the young Autobot, Willie, who, who, who was stalking his girlfriend, he says, you mean you don't have to work for those miserable freaking Decepticons? Jetfire tells the young Willie, if the Decepticons had their way, they would destroy the entire universe. And for the first time in his life, Willie is evangelized and he hears some good news. He hears that even though he's been working for Megatron, there is a better way. And he sees the true nature of his master when he hears the good news. He hears for the first time that he has a choice to leave the Decepticons. And before he hears the good news, he does not understand that he actually has a choice. You see, it is some people don't make a choice until they hear a better choice. You see, Isaiah 
He updates his status on Facebook because what he has to say can't be contained in the 140 characters of Twitter. When he says in Isaiah 55 verses 1 to 4, he says, yo, actually he says, ho, everyone who thirsts come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money on that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. When you hear the good news, your soul shall live. She hears reports about this man from Galilee by the way of Nazareth that he is healing people and forgiving people and teaching people that there is a better way. And she gets hope for the first time that there is a possibility that she does not have to bleed. She hears for the first time that there's a new doctor in town and she's tried everything possible. But when she hears the good news, it says when she hears the good news, the verse goes on to say that she leaves. You see, in order for you to come to Jesus, you have to leave where you are. So many people make a decision to leave the devil, but they don't actually leave. There is power in a decision. There is power in making a decision that I'm not going to be out of shape. There's power in making a decision that I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to be more health conscious. There is power in a decision that I'm going to leave those men and women alone and delete their names off of my phone. There is power in a decision that I'm going to unfriend some people. But here it is. The power goes to another level when you follow through on the decision you make. So if you make the decision for better health, go to the gym. If you make a decision to leave sin alone, then separate yourself from the things that bring it into your life. Proverbs 28, 13 says, whoever cover up their sins shall not prosper, but those who confess and forsake them will have mercy. She makes a decision to leave, but if she does not leave, she's going to die and bleed to death. People who are abused, they say that they have to leave between eight to ten times until they leave for the final time. You see, it was in Noah's time people helped him finance the ark. People prayed for the ark. People helped build the ark. People were at the iPad. I mean, they were at the ribbon-cutting ceremony when the ark was first opened. When they did a walkthrough of the ark, they were there. But when the time came to come inside, they refused. There have been people who may have made a decision to get inside of the ark, but they were waiting for their friends and family members to follow through on their decision. You have to put action behind your own decision, even if the devil doesn't agree with you. Your family might laugh at you. Your friends might ridicule you. But if you stay where you are, you'll continue to bleed. You make a decision to leave the bottle alone, but it's still in your house. You make a decision to leave the pornography alone, but it's still on your computer. You make a decision to exercise, 
but you don't go to the gym. You want a job, but you don't have a resume. You have to put action behind your decision. You don't want to be in no man's land. That's a place you do not want to be. You see, no man's land is a place where you're stuck. You're not where you want to be, but you're not where you are. You're just there. Abram, when he left Ur and he was going to Haran, the Bible says he settled in a place and he died there. You don't want to be in no man's land in the world of professional sports. It's a place where you definitely don't want to be. You're not really good, but, but you're not really bad. You don't want to be 6 and 10, 7 and 8, 8 and 8, 9 and 7. You will deny up front that you don't want to be really bad like Michael Jordan did yesterday. But deep down, you don't want to win too much. You don't want to be mediocre. You don't want to be stuck in the middle. You do not want to be in no man's land. You see, sports teams like the Sacramento Kings, they traffic in hope. We're not that good, but, but we can be good. We're going to tank. We're not going to tell you we're going to tank. We're going to do it behind the scenes. And when the time comes to be, they say you need to go hard or go home. Meaning, I'm going to put forth all of my effort in the thing that I've been desiring. I know what it's like to be bad. And now I'm going to put forth the same effort in something good. I'm going hard because I don't want to be stuck in no man's land. I don't want to go home. You see, if I go home, I'm going back to mediocrity. If I go back home, I'm going back to dysfunction. I'm going back to failure. I'm going to go hard because I don't want to go home. Her leaving tells me that, we, that she goes after God in proportion to her bleeding. She goes after God in proportion to her desperation. In other words, go after God the way the devil came after you. She was bleeding nonstop for 12 years. Use that desperation as fuel when you hear something better. I don't know about you, but I will go after God the way I went after sin. I'll go after God the way I went after sin. I know you all won't like it, but here it is. We tell young men to go after God the way they went after sex, the way they went after pornography. You make excuses to get it. You think about it all day. Go hard or go home. Go after God the way you went after drugs, the way you go after the bottle, the way you lust after that next electronic gadget. Go after God that way. Seek God the way you sought sin. You wasn't ashamed when you were out there doing your own thing. You were saying only God can judge me. He knows my heart. Seek God the way you used to seek the devil. Going to the other side of town. Not you, but people you know, wearing disguises, tinting your windows. Go after God the way you go after that thing. Go after that high. When you get those withdrawals because you can't get it, fantasizing about the next time and the next time and the next time. The next one is going to solve all of my problems. The next one is going to numb the pain. Go after God like that. You see, the reason why athletes lose their money and lose their family and go broke after five years 
is because they don't put forth the same intensity in their personal affairs like they did with sports. They have not replaced that addiction with something positive. We're all addicted to something. What, what am I saying? The, the same effort that you go after harmful things, Justin Blackman, the same effort you put forth on the football field, Des Bryant, put it forth in healthy things, in righteous things, that same energy. All right, th that's not you. Instead of waking up in the middle of the night to go get ice cream, Oreos, and gummy bears, you get out of bed, you put on your clothes, you get in the car, and you drive to the store to get pretzels and animal crackers. Maybe it's just me. Go after salads that way. Go after fruits, nuts, and vegetables that way. Wake up in the middle of the night. And instead of chunky monkey, eat some walnuts. Go after God that way. You want to get out of debt? Make a debt pyramid of all of your bills. God will make a way. You made a way when those shoes were on sale. That, that, that's me. The way you ran to that payday lender to get money for those shoes, use that same effort to get out of debt. Hear me, find excuses to pay down your credit cards. Have them call you telling you you paid too much this bill period. They'll do that, you know. Hear me, if you find yourself in debt, don't give less to God, give more to God. The way of getting out of debt is not giving less to God, but giving God more. Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, one, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another person withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So if you want to get out of debt, don't give others less, give them more. Here it is, the reason why you do that is because the desire does not change. The desire does not leave. You have to replace that desire with a greater desire. All right, you tell God, I love sin more than I love you. I'm so used to seeing sin and tasting sin and touching sin. God, I love it more than I love you. But you need to replace my thirst for meth, for unhealthy living, for sex and with sin. You need to replace it with you. I hear somebody saying it's works righteousness. No, it's not. It says she hears about Jesus and she leaves. So everything she does is in response to what Jesus has already done. It's responding to the gift. So I go after God the way I went after sin. More importantly, I go after God the way he goes after me. Mark goes on to say she leaves and she presses in the crowd behind him. You press to him because he pressed to you. You see, kids, when they see a gift under a tree, they run hard after the gift they open up the gift. They're jumping over other gifts, pushing people out of the way, doing matrix, move, matrix moves around their friends and their family to get to the gift. God says, you do that for Christmas, now do that for me. 
God says, when I first saw you, I was flirting with you. I was texting you in the middle of the night, seeing if you would text me back immediately. I was just trying to get a smile on your face. I was just trying to see what would make you happy. We were in puppy love. We were infatuated. Respond to me the way I responded to you. You got googly eyes when you first saw me. Love me the way that I love you. Not to please me. It's your intention. It's your effort. It's your passion that drives you. You ain't trying to work. You've been bleeding for 12 years, and you hear something good, and you got to make a move. Like I said, if it was a sale, you would run after it. So leave and press after me. Because I hear it, they say it's not in your results. Your healing is not in your effort. Your healing is when you connect to me. Your effort is in leaving. Your effort is in pressing. Your effort is in touching me. But all of your effort combined can't touch the effort that came to me when I went to you. Am I talking to anybody here? God says your healing is not in your pressing. Your healing is not in your touching. Your healing is in me. Your deliverance is not in your effort. But God says, when I see your effort, I come near to you and cooperate with you, and I give you what you cannot work for. Simply put, Jesus seeks her, and she responds to him. How did Jesus seek her? Number one, he came from the other side of the sea just to see her. He had her on his mind before she had him on her mind. He knew about her before she ever got it in her mind that there was a Jesus. He heard her prayers before she heard his stories. And her pressing reminds me that God seeks me, the energy that I use to seek him. It doesn't come from me. It comes from him. God says in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I'm like a magnet drawing you to me. The GPS inside of you connects to mine and it follows me and it chases me. It is powered by me. You've been bleeding for 12 years. I've been sustaining you for those 12 years. I've been helping you for those 12 years. I've been strengthening you. You never did it on your own. I'm a magnet that pulls you to me. So when you're weary, when you're tired, when you want to turn around and go home, that strength inside of you that says go hard, that came from me. Because it's God that works in you, the desire and the will to do of his good pleasure. You don't have the power in your own strength. But God says, when you press after me, there's going to be some obstacles. People will block you. People will distract you. People will hate on you. It says in verse 25 that Jesus follows and he is pressed on every side. And that word pressed on every side is soon to leave, but in the Greek, it means to be pressed on every side almost to the point of suffocation. 
Jesus can barely move. So not only does Jesus have obstacles, but she have obstacles. You got to go around them to get to him. So when you decide to go after God, all of a sudden the drugs get cheaper. All of a sudden, porn gets more accessible. All of a sudden, those people you tried to leave begin texting you again. Those parties that you say you're not going to go to anymore, all of a sudden, they get more exotic. There will always be obstacles. But God says, you made detours with sin. You can make detours with me. God says, don't listen to the other voices. Listen to my voices. What what are you talking about, preacher? You see, when Clark Kent was a kid, he was a kid before he became Superman. He was a young boy in Smallville, Kansas. And he came from another place, and he's adopted by this farm family, and he never fits in. He would go to school, but the kids would bully him. He did his homework, but but the kids would make fun of him. He was never normal. He was insecure. He went to bed crying himself to sleep at night. One time at school, his gift of seeing and hearing everything just exploded onto his consciousness in the middle of class. Hear me. He sees everything. He hears everything including people's thoughts. It's so overwhelming to him. He gets up and leaves the classroom and he runs down the hall and he locks himself in the janitor's closet. The bell rings and the entire school begins to congregate outside of this janitor's closet. Since you didn't see it, I'll just tell you about it. And as they're congregating around the janitor's closet, he can hear their thoughts calling him a weirdo, saying that he's crazy, asking each other, what's wrong with this boy? He hears everything that they're thinking, and it's driving him crazy. And the teacher says to somebody, call his mother. And his mother shows up and bends down next to the door and begins to call his name. And she says, come out of the closet, Clark. And he says, I can't, I can't. And she tells him not to listen to other voices, but he says, I can't do it. And she says, don't listen to their voice. Listen to my voice. She says, concentrate on my voice. Focus on my voice. And he hushes all of the negative voices and focuses on his mother's voice. And he comes out and he gives her a hug. Here it is. What God is saying is when you decide to chase after me the way I chased after you, there will be obstacles and negative voices. People will whisper to you. The devil will speak to you in your ear. But he says, just listen to my voice. That's why verse 28 says, for she keeps saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. The word actually is in the imperfect tense, which means that she keeps repeating it to herself. If I just touch the hem of his garment. God says, when they try to block you, just focus on my voice. She keeps repeating to herself, 
the promises of God. Verse 27 concludes that she presses behind him in the crowd and she reaches out and touches his cloak. She uses her ears, she uses her legs, she uses her eyes, and now she uses her hands. Hear me, this lets me know clearly when it is that when I give God something, he will take what I have. God says, give me what you have. It says, she touches his cloak. You see, going hard after God is all about effort and intent, not the, not the result. I know this is too much for y'all, so let, let's just say, not you, but people you know, tell them the next time they go after that dime bag, give God a tenth of what they would use on drugs. Test God and give it to him. It says she touches the border of his garment. She couldn't tug on it. She couldn't knock on the door, but she tapped on the window. Give God what you got. If you can't give it all to him, give him a part of what you have. All right, this is too much for y'all. Maybe, 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 you, can, maybe you can correlate with this. All day you think about your it, whatever your it is, your addiction. Hear me, you can't eat a whole salad. Eat half a cucumber. You can't drink a whole gallon of distilled water. Drink half a cup. God says, invest in your own process. Let God know that you're serious. It's an act of faith. God says, just give me a little bit. It says she just touched the border of his garment. You see, her going hard was in her effort, not in her result. It was in her commitment, not in her content. God says, give me. What you have, you wake up in the morning trying to make time for that thing. God says, give me five minutes of the time that you are going to dedicate to that thing and see what I can do in your life. Hear me, you're not going to like this. What am I going to give to God? The thing that is bleeding. What am I going to give to God? The thing I used to sin with. We'll keep it rated PG. You used to pimp out your body. God says, give me that body. God wants the thing that is broken, the thing that is diseased, the thing that is bleeding, the thing that the devil claims. God wants that. Where she went, blood followed her. Her gift of healing was inside of the wound that caused healing. All right, let, let's just keep it real. You used to gamble. Your ministry will probably be based upon your issue. Your ministry will probably be based upon what God delivered you from. Uh-oh. How do I know that? After she touches him, Jesus said, who touched me? It says she told him how she was sick and how she was healed. Her testimony was somebody else's pedagogy. Her story taught somebody else something. It says the fountain of her blood dried up. We're going to talk about that next week. Meaning that God redeemed her from the source of her problem, and the source of her problem was the source of God's glory. 
Simply put, Romans 6, verse 13 says, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. The body I used to give away, even if it has an STD, God says, give it to me as a living sacrifice. The lips I used to smoke weed with, now I'll sing his praises. The arms I used to shoot up with, I'm going to lift up holy hands. The legs I used to go after sin with, I'm going to give him a praise dance. Give God what you got. The thing you used to sin with, God says, I want that to be your offering. Give God what you got. Why? Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Your source of shame will become the source of your worship. When people see your instrument of shame as an instrument of worship, They'll say, God redeems you. God sets you free. He's taking away the condemnation. So when people see where you were bleeding, where you were tricking, and you tell them to come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. What he did for me, he can do for you. They see your trail of blood, and they see that you're not ashamed. Your testimony only brings you shame if it's not a testimony. I know what God has delivered me from. It gives other people hope for their shame. She went hard after him because he went hard after her. You see, the doctors can prescribe medicine for her. The priests can sacrifice lambs in the purification offerings for her. They can take the blood and sprinkle it on the altars. They can do a lamb of golden doves and pigeons. People can pray for her, but only Jesus can bleed for her. He bled for her seven times. He bled for her when he was circumcised. He bled for her when he was in Gethsemane praying for her. He bled for her when he was whipped for her. He bled for her when they pressed a crown of thorns on his head. He bled for her when they nailed his hands. He bled for her when they pierced his feet. He bled for her when they pierced his side. People can do helpful things for you, but only Jesus can bleed for you. I go hard after him because he went hard after me. Jesus says, I'm going to give everything that I have. I'm going to go hard after you so you can go home. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to take your liabilities. I'm going to take your sickness. I'm going to take your debt. I'm going to take your slavery and your bondage, and I'll give you myself in its place. John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave me everything. He's not like the owner of the L.A. Clippers, keeping money for himself, swindling people in the revenue sharing so he can be mediocre, having discrimination lawsuits so his pockets can get fat. God says, everything that I have, 
I've invested it in you. So every investment that you give, I want it to be in proportion to my investment. We give to God what he gives to us. It says simply, clearly, she leaves, she presses, and she touches with the same effort in which she bled, the same desire that she had for healing fed her in her pursuit for God. God chases me so I can chase him. And he says, if you go hard after me, one day you'll be able to go home with me. I don't know about you, but, but I like romantic movies. Don't, don't ask me why. I like romantic movies. I memorize all of the lines. One of my favorite romantic movies is 51st Dates. Adam Sandler starred in the movie with, with Drew Barrymore. And, and he's looking for love in all of the wrong places. He's looking for the spirit, but he has the wrong address. So he goes knocking on every door he can, looking for love in all of the wrong places. And he's on this tropical island. So he takes advantage of the tourists when they come to this place. But at the end of the day, every morning he wakes up, he just finds himself shallow. He goes for pleasure, but it doesn't pleasure him. And he meets Drew Barrymore at this shop. And he begins flirting with her and talking with her. And, and he orchestrates things. She, she, she brushes him off. And he orchestrates things where, where their paths always cross. And they go on a date and they fall in love. He goes back the next day to the same shop. She doesn't remember him and, and he's confused. And he goes to the cook saying, well, what's going on with her? What, what's up with her? What's the deal with her? And, and the cook says, brother, you better leave her alone. And he says, she knocked me off of my feet. I went home, and her name and her picture was just swirling around in my head. And her father says, leave her alone. But something about her just grabbed him. When he saw her, he spent a day with her. He said, there's something about her that makes all of the other girls just drown out of my memory. And he goes on a second date. Next day, same thing. She forgets all about him. And the movie is about how they go on 50 first dates. He makes her fall in love with him every day of their courtship, even though every day she wakes up, she won't remember who he is. And he finally captures her heart when she begins dreaming about him. And his face reaches her level of subconscious. And she's painting pictures of him, and she doesn't even know who he is. And when it is that her father sees his commitment, he gives, her his hand, he gives him her hand in marriage. And the movie concludes there's somewhere in Alaska researching some animal. And she wakes up, and there's this tape on the television. That says, watch me. And she looks on her hand and she sees a wedding ring. Doesn't know where, what it is. She looks outside, don't know where she is. And she puts the tape in the VCR, back when they had tapes and VCRs. And she sees the story of how they fell in love. She looks out and can't see him 
But when she watches the story of how they fell in love, all of it comes to her mind again, and she falls in love with him again. The people who write about love, they say, you don't fall out of love, you forget to love. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. I forget God a lot. At best, some, there are some days we just part-time lovers. Some of y'all know what that is. And I wake up, and I have this spiritual amnesia, and I forget everything that God has done for me. God says, you forgot that you almost died when you were a baby. You forgot that you were in the ICU when you were born. You forgot that you weighed two and a half pounds when you came out of your mother's womb. God says, you forgot what I've done for you. So look at the tape. Look at the tape of how I created you. Look at the tape of how I came to this world for you. Look at the tape of how I bled for you and died for you just to redeem you. Don't ever forget how much I love you. Whenever you get amnesia, just look at the story of how I came to you. Is it just me or does somebody here, sometimes you get spiritual amnesia. You forget what God has done for you. You forget that he paid your bills. You forget that when you almost dropped out of school, he gave you the paper idea so you would not fail. It was him that gave you everything that you have. God says when you look at our love story, something will happen inside of you and you will remember our love story. There's somebody here. There's something in your life. There's some area where you've pushed God out. You had positive resolutions and promises and goals of what you wanted to do, but somehow you forgot. I'll tell you straight up, when all of the people in my life started dying, I stopped exercising. I stopped eating healthy. I could not sleep for months. God says, go back and look at our love story. Go back to where I found you. Go back to when you had nothing and were nothing and look at what I did for you. That'll give you your motivation. So there's somebody here that want to say, there's some area in my life I want to go hard after God. If that's you, I just invite you to stand to your feet. There's something in your life you want to go after God the way he's gone after you. There's something in your life where you're tired of tanking, you're tired of being mediocre. And you want that passion back. If there's something special that you want to give to God, I invite you to come to the front. I'm going to pray a special prayer just for you. There's something in your life. There's something, there's some area where you're broken. 
you've fallen off of the wall and you've tried everything to put it back together again. But only the potter can put you back. Only the potter can go to those broken areas of your life. Those areas where you're bleeding, you don't even know that you're screwed up. God says, I want to go there. Your source of shame, God says, will be the source of his glory. Hear me, your source of shame will be your source of God's glory. I'll say it one more time. We'll keep it rated PG. Your source of shame will be the source of God's glory when you touch Jesus. Is there another? You want to reach out and touch him the way he reaches out and touches you every single day. Is there another? He wants to put you back together again. There's no greater love than that. Before you knew you were you, God had you on his mind. Before you were conscious of yourself as a boy and a girl, God knew every day of your life before one of them ever came to be. You were on his mind way before you were ever born. Is there another? Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being God. We thank you for coming to us. The song says, mercy came running after me. God, we know where we would be apart from your grace. Running a race. We could never win. But God, you came to us. You loved us. You rescued us. And it says you demonstrated your love to us while we were still bleeding, while we were dying, while we were enemies, when we were enemies, when we were powerless. God, there's people here under the sound of my voice. There's areas of their lives where they're bleeding and where they're broken. God, we don't have to know what it is because we all have something in our lives. God, that desire that we've inherited and cultivated, God, we want to turn that desire over for you. Where we make excuses to spend time with you the same way we make excuses with our it. Father, I ask, that you go to our area of shame right now and heal it in the name of Jesus. Father, we're reaching out and touching you right now. And we ask that you see our commitment and give us the healing that we so desperately need. If that's you, just respond by saying amen. God bless you. God bless you.